Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. It is the morning of Friday, May 6th. Happy Oaks Day to you, or if you're listening to this later, happy uh, Oaks memory day, I, I guess. I, I have no idea. I've got a Thurby dad hangover going. This is going to be a fantastic episode. We've got Dan Sennard in the Raleigh airport, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm in ACC country here, brother. Um, <laughs> I am... I feel like I'm being stared at, even though no one's really looking at me. I kind of wandered off to the side here, kind of keeping my voice a little bit lower. Um, but yeah, no, we're doing uh, we're doing good. Very very excited to. I've traveled for three straight weeks. I know people don't want to hear about my job, but that usually doesn't happen. Um, so I am very excited to be home and uh, get to experience some horse racing these next couple of days. Let the record show that the last time we did this, a podcast episode with you in the airport. <laughs> There was a woman behind you coughing the entire time that we were making fun of. And I think two weeks later, the world stopped because of a global pandemic where coughing became kind of a uh, a taboo thing. So hopefully this portends better things, uh, today's airport episode. But we're going to do the best we can. Um, we wanted to make sure that we squeezed in an episode before Derby. And also because some, some stuff's been going on in the world of Cardinal Athletics. And we'll start there. We'll start with, I mean... I, Obviously, there's plenty to talk about. The roster for men's basketball continues to take shape. Uh, baseball team is rolling right now. Um, they've got three big ACC series to end the regular season, but right now looking like a team that certainly has an offense capable of getting to Omaha, so that's exciting. Um, women's basketball is adding more ACC transfers like they seem to every single year. Football continuing to kill it on the recruiting front. But let's start with the topic that I think has has kind of dominated the local conversation this week, and that's Louisville potentially taking Amani Bates, one of the biggest names in basketball right now, at least at the non-professional level, and, and really has been for the last five or six years. Um, if you're not familiar with the background, I wrote a lengthy thing on Card Chronicle that you can check out where I, I talk about his background. I talk about the pros and the cons of taking him. And it's not official yet. Like There's, there's no official word from the Bates camp or some unofficially official word from uh, a college basketball writer that Amani Bates is going to pick Louisville. But with all the crystal ball projections coming in from both national and local voices, with all the various reports out there, sources out there saying this is a thing that's going to happen, it certainly feels like a when, not if type deal. And it's a, it's a, it would be a roster addition that I think would come with a lot of different opinions that are already kind of flying around out there. And, and I understand it because Bates is such a, a big name with such an interesting past. And I'll let you start, Dan, because I feel like – I know we've talked about this briefly. You seem to be like 100% full-bore, no-brainer, let's do this when it comes to taking on Bates. Yeah, I would say that's accurate after watching what we put on the, the court last year. I, I mean, this is what I'll say, and I don't want to toot your horn too much. Your piece on Card Chronicle is awesome. I mean, I think that's kind of when you get in your zone, when you start writing about things like that in basketball. But you pretty much hit on every point. For me, it's let's just get this kid in a controlled environment. It just seems like his life has been a whirlwind since, like you said, since COVID hit. And, I mean, I don't know what it's like inside the Memphis program, but from the outside, it looks like there's just absolutely no stability at all. Um, yes, does this guy – possibly have some baggage it sounds like his dad's pretty involved yeah you know but I if I had to guess what one of Kenny Payne's strengths is especially after what we saw him do on the Kentucky staff 
these are the kind of these are the kind of players that I feel like he deals with best, and I, I think yeah. this is going to be one of his strengths. So um, I don't think this kid just forgot how to play basketball overnight. I know, you know, in your article you put some of the measurements up there, and, and maybe maybe he was overhyped a little bit. Who knows? I don't think we really got a fair shot last year to see exactly what he could do, but um, I mean, for our program, it's a no brainer. I mean. After what we've been taking in the transfer pool the last three or four years, and I'm not dogging any of those people, but, I mean, these those were mid-major guys. I mean, we're talking about a guy that, hell, LeBron James was tweeting about this guy two, three years ago. That doesn't mean anything, but, I mean, the talent is in there, and we just got to get it out. Uh, you know, you see flashes of it, um, and I, I think not only from a basketball perspective, but just from a – a national conversation perspective, like, oh shit, did you see Louisville uh, got Amani Bates? Like, they must be yeah. you know up and coming. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited. Um, if it doesn't work out, like you said, hey, I mean, we took a swing and we missed. But uh, for me, I, I I just think it's all positives. Yeah, it feels like a a can't lose situation for Kenny Payne. It, it's a. I mean, you obviously can lose something because if the kid comes in here. And is a distraction or is a, a cancer on the team or the people around him become a distraction, then yeah, it could potentially tank what might be a positive season. But if that happens, like nationally, and I think even locally, the, the blame is going to be placed on Amani Bates and his surrounding people, the hangers on, more so than it is on Kenny Payne and UofL, which is, like, that's fine. Because like, this will have been the second time that Bates tried to make it work somewhere and it just, just didn't happen. And the flip side of that is if he comes here and he's awesome, Kenny Payne gets all the credit. And like right. as a by, as a byproduct of that, Penny Hardaway kind of looks like shit. And that's, you know, it, we're not playing Memphis on an annual basis, but you have to assume that if Penny stays there for a few more years, he and Kenny Payne are going to go head-to-head on the recruiting trail at least a couple of times because they're swimming in those same waters now. So it, that would be a nice little, you know, ace to have to hold over Penny Hardaway's head if you're – recruiting a kid who's also considering Memphis. I think, like, my biggest concern in all of this, it's not the the overbearing dad, it's not the other people around him, it's not the the reports that maybe he was didn't get along with his teammates at Memphis, that he kind of thought he was, he was better than people. My biggest concern is that he's just not as good as everybody wants him to be when you yeah. watch him play. Like, he... I mean, you go back and you watch the highlights when he was 15, 14, when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and people were saying he's the next LeBron, Durant, Magic, Jordan, all that stuff. And he was a six, seven kid with a, I think, elevated skill set. He handled it really well for somebody who was six, seven. He shot it really well for somebody who was six, seven. He was a great passer. And I think everybody just kind of assumed the athleticism would pick up as he got older, which is a natural assumption. And it just hasn't. Like, like he doesn't. He doesn't have a very high vertical. He's not very quick. He's not great at creating his own shots. And maybe that can be dramatically improved from what we saw last year. But maybe it can't. Like, like usually when you get to eighteen, nineteen, that's kind of who you are as a player. Even so, like, if he, he doesn't here, have to, yeah, he doesn't have to be, you know, exactly. the chosen one. Like, it's, we just need someone that's competent. Like someone on the text line on during the radio show earlier this week was like, he's a taller BJ Boston. And I was like, even if he is, you know who could use a taller BJ Boston? Taller BJ Boston would have been the best player on our team last year. Like I I would absolutely would take that. 
if he's a guy who's going to get us 12 and 6 next year, like, hell yeah. Like, if he's a good college player, we'll take him. And my biggest fear is that we're going to have a large faction of the fan base who expects this kid to come in here and be the one-and-done type talent that everybody thought he was going to be four years ago and, like, have a Kevin Durant at Texas type season and then be disappointed if he's, like, just good but not great. And that's – I hope that if everybody comes in, and I'm not telling anybody what to do, but if like if you do come in with a mindset of he's going to be a good college player, then I think all of a sudden if he becomes a great college player, it's just icing on the cake. And if he's like just okay, you're not horribly disappointed. My my whole point is if we're banking on Amani Bates being a star, being the difference between having a good season and a bad season, I think you run the risk of of having a gigantic letdown. If you're looking at him as a as a potential big piece for what could be a very good team then I think you're having a mindset that's a little bit more healthy. And if we get Tyrese Hunter, oh, like, like yeah. all of a sudden, like, to me, that's a top 25 caliber roster. And I think then we get the chance to judge Kenny Payne and really see what he can do in year one, which I didn't think was going to be possible because I didn't think he was going to be able to assemble a roster that was good enough or I think reminiscent of the rosters that we hope are coming in the future to really judge his, his X's and O's style and his in-game coaching and, and what this staff can do. But if you have Hunter, you have Bates, you have the guys coming back, you've got now Kamari Lands and Devin Ree and, and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, Like that's a roster where I feel like if we dramatically underachieve this season, we can take something away from that. And if we dramatically overachieve this season, we can take something away from that. I'm, I mean, it's just, man, it's, it's exciting to talk about stuff like this, though, after the last oh, couple of It's refreshing. But like going back to Tyrese Hunter, like getting Amani Bates is is – nice it's a plus but if you get hunter i feel like that even increases like the amount that the amani bates edition might give this team because i mean we all know amani tried to play point guard last year at memphis and for you know it didn't work out but just to have someone to kind of at least on the perimeter take the pressure off of him and i mean this yeah. guy can do it all he can pass he can score in big moments uh, I mean, he he would be a player that we haven't had in a, in a long time as far as ball handling. So I think that would increase Amani's game even more. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you would have told us these would be, I mean, and again, I don't want to just celebrate because we haven't, you know, either one hasn't um, committed yet. But I mean, if we're talking, you know, BHH from Tennessee, we're talking Amani, uh, we're talking Tyrese. I mean, my God, like. Yeah, I, I think we all would have absolutely like signed up for that in 0.2 seconds. So um, can't can't fault Kenny for anything he's doing right now. It seems like he's pressing the right buttons. We'll see if these guys end up committing. Um, but man, it, just the excitement that would create like the first game. I mean, you're probably talking at least a sellout or close to a sellout versus, you know, people going in with kind of lowered expectations. Like you said, I think we're already going to raise them. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited and I, I think it'll, it'll, it'll bring a kind of jolt of life back to the program in the city. Yeah. Adding Bates is like I wrote this week. I, I think the juice is worth a squeeze. I think the, the potential reward outweighs the potential risk. It would be a, a solid addition, potentially a great addition, but Hunter's the one man, like to me, at least like Hunter is the guy where if you add him, it goes from, this is a team that could be, you know, Nice, maybe compete with the top tier in the ACC to a team that is like legit top 25 caliber. Like Hunter is yeah. that good to me. 
He's the the rock steady ball handler, the guy who can direct the offense that we desperately did not have last year for large stretches of the season, and that I think we still don't have right now. I hope L. Ellis can can become a point guard. I'm I, I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. Just seeing his sometimes erratic play last year, Hunter is that stabilizing force. He's a tremendous passer. He's a tremendous ball handler. He scores well enough. I know the shooting numbers were down last year. I think a large part of that was not having enough big-time weapons around him. The The biggest thing, though, for me is he's the type of dynamic on-ball defender that we just haven't had at the guard position recently. Yeah. The Raleigh Airport picks up here. Here we go. I know. Yeah. But he – he, he had the uh, he had the the sixth all time most steals in a single season in Iowa State history. He locks dudes up, and the most frustrating thing about the last two years to me, I know the 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 shooting's been bad, the offense has been bad, but just seeing our guards get blown away has driven right. me absolutely crazy. And Hunter Hunter stops that. You know, he he's the type of guy that we just have have needed. And if we add yeah. him, I'll, like, I'm over the moon. Well, like, and I see people, they're like, well, I am still worried about shooting. Like, here's the deal. We've watched this team under Chris Mack for the last three or four years just be out-athleted, like, every single game. Like, I will put up with maybe some off-shooting if we can get to the goddamn rack whenever we want to. Like, it's been so long since we've had guys that can just take people off the dribble, get to where they want to go on the court. And it seems like the team that we're putting together, we're going to have the superior athletes for the most part. And I couldn't be more excited about that. If the shooting comes, like, hey, the shooting comes. But, um, I, you know, I think every Louisville fan was kind of sick of the last three to four years being like, Jesus, how come – Every guy gets by our guards, but we can't get by anyone. And I think that immediately changes with maybe some of these guys that are they're being brought in. Have you come down from the Danny Manning high, or are you still floating right now? Oh, well, funny you say that. I am in Wake Forest. Like, I stayed in Wake Forest last night. I was like, do I want to, like, go out of my way to get on campus and, like, take a picture <laughs> of me on Wake Forest? Or is that, like, too weird? I was like, all right, I'm too lazy. I'm not doing this. But, yeah, it, it, was, good to, it, was, it was good to be in Danny Manning land. Nice area. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm stalking pictures of him at the backside. I, I don't know if it's official, if he has his official derby pick out. But whoever it is, I'm probably going to back him for maybe, like, a $30 win bet um, just because it's Danny Manning. But, anyways, yeah, I'm uh, – I'm still I'm still riding high. The other news, uh, I guess, that's happened. Nothing shocking has happened since the last time we potted. But Louisville has officially now signed Kamari Lands. They got the commitment and the signing of Devin Ree. Uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield officially signed. Everything else has kind of been just conjecture and, and talk about recruiting. And if you're looking for other transfer names, I, I know that this is it's a hard thing to do on a podcast because. There's new information every single day. Everybody seems to have a different source every day with this transfer portal stuff. But the names that the big name outside of Amani Bates and Tyrese Hunter to keep an eye on, if I think Hunter or Bates does not sign with Louisville, is Malachi Smith from Chattanooga. Um, would love to get him. He averaged 20 points per game last year, over 20 points per game. He's a big time scorer. Um, I think Louisville was in the mix for Isaiah Mosley for a while, and then um, one school in particular up the ante that we're not going to be able to compete with, but. Also, there was some word that Mosley didn't really want to play with Bates, which is fine um, if you're yeah. picking and choosing. I think Bates makes a, a little bit of a bigger splash. Um, maybe that looks stupid in hindsight, but we'll see. But let's, keep an eye out. I mean, let's, we still let's have four play this, Let's play this fun game real quick. Let's say Tyrese okay. Hunter commits. 
Let's play. Okay. Let's say Amani commits, and then let's say um, Malachi commits. Give me your starting five next year. Hunter, Ellis, Bates. Man, I, I don't know what you do in the front court. Um, I'm going to say Jalen Withers, Sidney Curry. Okay. I'm, so Hunter, I'm putting Ellis. faith in Kenny Payne's ability to develop. And maybe it's Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I, I, I just don't know. We, we haven't seen enough of any of these guys, including, like, I know Sidney Curry was great down the stretch. Like, we, st- I feel like we still haven't seen enough of Sidney Curry to know just how good he can be. Although he's raining threes now in Twitter videos. So yeah, we'll see yeah, what happens I there. Yeah, and I feel like the forgotten guy in all this is Mike James. Like, I'm actually really excited to see this guy play. Um, He's dunking now. Yeah, I know. Like, if his defensive prowess is, you know, kind of lives up to the hype of what we heard last year, and then you add in Hunter, like, God, it would be so nice to have perimeter defense. How long has it been since we've had guards that can keep people in front of them? That would be amazing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, that's hard for me. I, I, I could see. You asked the Hatfield. fucking question. I know. <laughs> it's hard for everybody. It is hard. I don't know. I like, I would like to see Curry at the four and Hunter Hatfield at the five. Um, and that's me like watching like 10 minutes of Hunter Hatfield film. So I have no idea. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, but, um, it would be nice to have a one, two punch down low. I'm with you, even though his name's Huntley Hatfield, not Hunter whatever. Hatfield. Whatever. I, I call him BHH, whatever. BHH. Uh, I mean, yeah. Trevor on the radio show is, is never going to get the name right. He's like 0 for 753 so far already, yeah. and it's just it's going to keep getting worse. But, I mean, just this overall excitement with basketball is so fun, and I, I keep forgetting we play in Maui next year. Like, like if we have a roster that's able to compete in Maui, how fun is that going to be? Because that field is loaded. It's going to be like three top ten teams potentially – Going into the season, um, we haven't been in Maui in so long. I'm, I'm just the more this that I think about it, the, the more juiced up I'm getting about the season. We need to make a plea to every card fan to buy Hawaiian shirts, and you have to wear Hawaiian shirts during the Maui Invitational, even if you're at home in your living room. Just an all-out Hawaii theme for every single game there. It's a bold play, Dan. Okay, I like it. I like it. Let's get let's get the trend going. I, I I got a couple in my closet. I would love to bust out around November. So um, yeah, we'll 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 try to start that trend. Maybe we'll get two people to do it and see what happens. Can't wait. Uh, we're gonna talk a little derby here, but before we do, reminding you guys, this podcast brought to you by our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. They've got tons of new shirts, tons of new schools dropping all the time. They've got two new Louisville shirts that are out there, uh, a football one and a basketball one. Go to show your support for the cards. Buy some home field apparel. They have the the softest hoodies, the the best fitting shirts. The it's just a fantastic gear. I can't highly recommend their product enough. I was buying them before they even started carrying Louisville stuff. Before they even started sponsoring the podcast. If you want college sports apparel, home field apparel is the way to go. And use the promo code Chronicle fifteen, all one word at checkout. It's going to save you fifteen percent off your first purchase from Home Field. Follow them on social media. On Twitter, it's at Homefield Apparel without an E in apparel. Uh, follow them on Instagram. It's at Homefield Apparel. That's where you can find out their latest drops, all their new news, all their best deals. Homefield Apparel, we love them for sponsoring the pod, and we love them for making high-quality college sports apparel. All right, Dan, you mentioned you've been traveling a bunch these last three weeks. I can't keep track of, of where the hell you are. Like, one day you're in, like, L.A., one day you're in buttfuck West Virginia. Like, I've, I've got no idea where you're going. 
but have you had a chance to get your mind, your your soul, your heart ready for the first Saturday in May? Have you have you been able to analyze this race at all yet? I mean, I have, I've like, of course I've been looking at it. Of course I've looked at the preps. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't probably researched as much as I have in past years. That's probably a good thing because I haven't won in a while, I feel like. Um, even though like, I'll never forget last year, it's like one of the tougher losses. If Mandaloon gets up, I probably wouldn't, I hit the $2 trifecta. So anyways, I'm not going to go ahead and bitch about that, but yes, I have looked at it. Um, it's, it's, this feels like a good one. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you want me to give me my thoughts right now or, or give give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. Let them fly. Okay. Here we go. Um, the horse that, like, I truly, like, every year I have, like, a horse. Like, this is the horse, like, I'm betting on and I, I want to win. And this year, it's Cyberknife. I really like Cyberknife. I think he's improving. I like to see improving horses in the Derby. I know people are going to say, well, the Arkansas suck. Kind of interested to see what Secret Oath does today in the Oaks, by the way. But um, I, I think he's been training well. Uh, I, I love the combo. Um, I like Brad Cox. And you know what? Like, I don't know. It, it, it feels like that's going to be the type of horse that wins it. Like, he's he's kind of a uh, a pace stalker, like maybe someone that will sit like seventh or eighth off the pace. Um, so I am just have faith that he's going to come home. Now, who do I like? Like, this guy's probably going to win, and I don't want him to. It's it's. I just keep seeing Taba over and over. Like it's, I, I keep seeing the justify thing about the Bob Baffert thing. It feels like if I don't bet him, I'm like, how did I miss this? Of course this happened. So, um, those two, and then I, I still, I mean, I know Epicenter is one of the favorites too. I probably put him in there, and then for a fourth, I'd probably put Mo Donegal. I think he, I could see him coming there at the end. Does it? You mentioned um, you like Cyberknife, which is funny because uh, Trevor on the radio show, who refers to you as Podcast Trevor, um, he, <laughs> I kind of like he, that. He knows nothing about horses. He he couldn't name a Derby horse, and so we did a live show on Monday at the Blind Squirrel where we we spent like ten minutes picking out who his horse was, just like narrowing it down for whatever reason. He had a bunch of just obscure reasons to eliminate horses. And he ended up picking Cyberknife too. So, so you guys are on the same page. I like Cyberknife a lot too. The wild fact that I did not know before this year, um, Brad Cox is trying to become the the first trainer to win back to back derbies since D Wayne Lucas all the way back in the nineties, which it, it, it kind of blows your mind. I guess since uh, Baffert back in the nineties, we had Lucas win back to back years with Grindstone and Thunder Gold. And then Baffert won back-to-back years with Real Quiet and Silver Charm. The fact that it hasn't happened since then kind of surprises you a little bit with how dominant Baffert has been and with how dominant Pletcher was for a period of time, Doug O'Neill too. That kind of – it surprised me when I heard it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Maybe he's like a – if he's not back-to-back years in the 2000s, it, it's, it feels like it's every other year. I'm not going to lie. God, Baffert has just burned me so many times. Like the years I've bet on his horses – they don't fire, and then the years I ignore them, like I just get burned. Like, cat, I'm I'm still, I mean, R.I.P. Medina Spirit, but I'm I'm still I, I haven't gotten over it. But um, yeah, this feels like. It's are you looking be a at fun one. you? You mentioned you mentioned Taba. Are, are you looking at Taba and Messier as like they're still Baffert horses? Oh, 100%. because I I no, definitely yeah. am. 
Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. And I feel like one of them is going to go straight to the lead. Like, I don't know which Messier. one it's going to be. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I just can't get that, uh, that Santa Anita out of my head. I mean, I, I texted you right after it happened, like, Tabia's winning the Derby. And then for whatever reason, I got off it. And now I feel like I'm warming back up to it again. So, uh, but I don't like, I don't like the horse. I don't know why. It's just because I think it's a, there's a Baffert stigmatism attached to him. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there any, like, long shots where you're like, you know what? Like, this guy's way off the board. I could see him, like, coming and hitting. I mean, I feel like we have to pick one because I'm trying to remember the exact stat. I think seven times since 2013, a horse that's been 25 to one or worse has hit the board. And, and, and like that, not just hit hit the board, has it been in the top three for the trifecta? So I feel like the best way to bet if you're doing an exotic on the Derby is pick the two horses you like the most, just regardless of whatever, and then throw in a couple of flyers to because you know the pace might fall apart. You're gonna have a plotter get up there and hit at the at the last second. I mean, my my pick for the Derby, I think, is going to wind up having pretty solidly high odds, and that's Charge It. Um, it's a Pletcher horse. My big concern is Luis Saez gave him a horrible ride in the Florida Derby. He was clearly the best horse. He was flying down the stretch. Uh, Saez could not find a hole, could not pick the right path uh, down the stretch. He was much, much better than Wide Barrio and still didn't win the race. I'm hoping the extra distance is going to give him just what he needs. But only three starts, all of which came at Goldstream. That makes me a little bit concerned. Uh, has not run a race yet. That would that kind of falls in line with what past Derby winners have been. I'm with you in that the two Baffert slash not Baffert horses are super interesting. Taba could just be a giant. I've got no idea. I think Messier probably is going to get out there and try to set the pace, and potentially you could let him run away with it. The other horse that I, I like Cyberknife a lot too, um, but it's hard for me to get away from Epicenter as, as far yeah. as like a horse just that just runs a a terrible race. The big thing there, Steve Asmussen. Everybody talked about his numbers at Churchill. He's also just 0 for his last 43 period in Kentucky. Like, cannot get it done in the state for whatever reason. Um, but on paper, that's the best horse in the field. And uh, Joel Rosario, in races where horses tend to kind of, you know, we don't know if some of these horses can go a mile and a half. Rosario is always a closer. He's always coming in late. Like, that could be, if the pace is right, I think Epicenter should be the horse to beat. It's hard for me to see that horse not not hitting the board, but crazy yeah. things have happened so like, if i'm going with a ticket i'm probably going to wind up going charge it epicenter and then somebody just totally off the beaten path to, to hit the board maybe like a tis the bomb uh, if he takes to dirt well i don't know why zandon is the favorite if i'm being quite frank uh, and i don't think he's going to go off as the favorite but it's you I know what? You, I, so for I'm it. looking currently at the updated odds on KentuckyDerby.com, and uh, Epicenter is now nine to two, and Zandon is at eight to one. Um, yeah, and that's t- and t- Taba is five to one. So um, people love Taba. Taba's getting a lot of it's, it's kind of becoming the wise guy horse that the backside is just buzzing about because I think of the potential. I, I, Taba's probably going to be right there around four to five to one on Saturday. People love that horse. Yeah, this seems like one of those races that, I mean, you're right. Like, we're, I'm like, am I overanalyzing this? Is Epicenter, like, maybe, like, we're all just like, why the hell? Like, this guy's pretty much shown us everything he's need to show us. Like, why did I bet against this guy? Like, what was the year me and you went to Breeders' Cup and you had, like, the, the tightest 
thing right afterwards. I forget what the Breeders' Cup Classic was that day, but it seemed like there was like just a bunch of horses um, that, you know, it was an open race. And then I, I forget whoever the favorite was, like won pretty handily. And we're like, why didn't we just bet the favorite? I forget what year that was, but um, this this kind of feels like that. Um, I, I could definitely see they turn for home and it's like, well, there goes Epicenter. I don't know what we were looking at. Do you ever feel... Because you should feel bad about leaving Louisville pretty much every day of the year. Do you do you feel worse about not being a Louisvillian anymore during this week? I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm like I was going through Facebook pictures and I'm kind of depressed. Like it is very very <laughs> it is very hard. Like even almost more than like the sports season. Like this is my favorite time of year. Um and and just seeing like nothing like here's the deal. I don't want to, like, wish ill will on anyone. I don't, like, want people to have a bad time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like if it rains, I'm not going to be too pissed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, like, I don't know. I, I said this year, like, I told my wife, I'm like, we're, okay, this is the last year we're not going home for this. At least, like, like Thurby or Oaks. I don't know, Derby, like, I've, I've been there, done that. It's fun. Um, but I just like getting to the track at least once a week on, like, a day where you can at least, like, move around. So, uh yeah, I don't know. It's tough for sure. Somebody texted into the show the other day and was like, can you please tell the the 2003 Derby story that you guys told on the podcast last year on the radio this week? And I was like, <laughs> which I was like, which part? Like, they think the the funny side of winning and Danny holding me up in the air, the Danny getting Reese's attention just to tell him that he had funny side after it's the like, race. With- or when we saw Matt Geiger in the infield <laughs> and I said – Geiger! And he literally, I thought in a million years it wasn't him. By the way, I just screamed Geiger and got about 30 looks here in the airport. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was a memorable one. But yeah, we've, we've had some good derbies and other derbies. You know, we went to the Justified Derby where it absolutely monsoon. Um, yeah. Still, still had a good time. My wife threw your wife's hat in the trash can. She did. Um, that was a bad <laughs> moment. Yeah, literally walking in and we had like a bunch of ponchos and my wife who was holding Mary's hat at the time, thought she was throwing away a poncho, and she threw away her fascinator. And we, like, get up to our seats, and Mary's like, where's my hat? And, like, I could immediately look at Kim's face. I was like, oh, no. Kim's like, I think I threw it away. I was like, and, of course, Mary's, like, the nicest girl ever. Like, she's like, that's all right. Like, we'll go get it. Like The uh, fact that she found that hat is a wonderful type. She used my press pass. I had the my press pass. She used my press pass to basically like go back there and Media be like, Mike. Media I, yeah. she's like, I need to find this hat. Like found the trash can where we came in, somehow was able to pull it out. Like, I mean, I, I could, I, I thought that hat was fucking gone. Like we're never seeing that hat again. Your outfit's ruined. Pictures are terrible. We're going to blame Kim forever. Just joking. Yeah. And she found it. And I was, she came back like fucking shadow from homeward bound, like with the hat. <laughs> barreling over the hill and like dramatic music plays and she's like holding the hat above her head i was like oh my god she found it it's like jinx gave us a little scare (laughs) that was a good moment do you you have a i don't even know when you're gonna be able to get home do you have an oaks pick for today um i like kathleen um i feel like yeah like i don't know i i just think she's already shown it um I, i feel like i'm seeing a lot more secret oath but Thing. Yeah, I mean, is that who you're on? Are you on Secret Oath? I, I, those are my two picks. I feel like that's everybody's two picks. I like, um, 
uh, nest a little bit too, especially if it rains. I think that not uh, nest in the other race today, uh, especially if it rains. Uh, I, I mean, I'm probably going to bet Kathleen O. And then if it if it's too super sloppy, I'm probably going to go in all in on nest. That's the Levich's pick for today. He's been kind of. I, I, let me ask you this, because I I am the worst at this ever. How do you balance? not just destroying your bankroll on a Friday leading up to Saturday, because like, I think I've done it pretty much every single Oaks for the past like 10 years. I see. I'm kind of the opposite. I feel like I do pretty well on Oaks and then just lose everything on Derby. The big help this week is I hit the late pick for Derby yesterday for 597 bucks. So I've got some coin to play with that I fully intend on just giving back today. Um, and we'll see what happens. As long as I have enough to, to get loose tomorrow, then I'm going to feel good. But I, I plan on taking some shots. We, we're already, let's see, we're two races deep so far today on Oak, so I'm probably going to jump in here right when we get off the air. But uh, I'm excited. I, I'll give Levich full credit for yesterday because I had a couple of picks that I felt good about. Uh, Norm's horse in the second race I went he- heavy on and, and it won. But Levich, I would not have picked the nine in the very last race if he hadn't told me to include it, and that made the difference. So he, he gets credit for my added bankroll for today. Hey, check I him out. See, paddock I, Prince. I saw no, I saw the Paddock Prince's uh, interaction or your tweet about it, and then David Paget's response was, <laughs> yeah. "Quote: No, no, nobody cares about Belmont on Derby weekend." Total, absolute home run of a tweet right there by Paget. I was cracking up. Oh, he's the man. It, he one of his favorite things in the world is to give Levitt shit, which makes me so happy because it's one of my favorite things too. Anyways, I, I know you got to get out of here. We'll, we made this a quick podcast. We'll try to be back uh, next week. Maybe we can touch on more of the basketball happenings if Bates uh, becomes official. I'm sure we'll react to that. Hopefully, uh, Tyrese Hunter, you know, Bill Self, be a honorable man. You don't like transfers, drop out of the race. You know, give us Tyrese Hunter. Be you know, don't be such a hypocrite. And if that happens, we'll also talk about that. Hopefully we can get some more football recruits in here and baseball will keep rolling. Dan, do you have any parting thoughts, any uh, last second Dan of the Dumps or any other thing you want to get out there? Um, yeah, not really any Dan of the Dumps. I, I, I hope everyone has a, a happy derby week. I hope everyone wins money. Um, yeah, man, pulling for Cyberknife. That's my sign off there. Go show Let's get this thing done. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. It's the best way to find out when new episodes are out there. Leave us a review. Give us a rating. We'll read the reviews on air. Uh, again, we're going to try to be more consistent. Work schedules have been tough. Hopefully, world traveler Dan settling down will make things a little bit easier moving forward. Uh, so, so hopefully we'll be back next week talking to you guys about Derby reaction and more hoops news. Until then, go cards. Go charge it. Cyber knife.